You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Monday uh, to you. I'm glad you made it through the weekend. I did, and I didn't even shave over the weekend. That's how good the weekend was. Uh, I mean, just an incredible weekend of college football. The, as everybody knows, Ball State knocked off UConn in one of the most incredible games of the college football season. And then in the nightcap, or a little later in the day, Tennessee knocked off Alabama in probably the second biggest uh, victory of the college weekend. It was incredible here in Nashville to see Ball State dominate UConn the way that we did, and then to have a nightcap of uh, Tennessee knocking off Alabama. What could be better? Uh, so a fantastic weekend has me energized and excited about today. I do want to... Uh, Offer, I don't, I, I'm not into excuses, but if I'm a little bit off my game today, it's because I was distracted this morning uh, via email. Uh, but I'm going to get through this and we're going to have a phenomenal show despite the distraction. Uh, so, uh, Steve Kim and Jason Brown will be here to help me talk about the uh, NFL weekend. Uh, and before we dive into all of that, you guys know I have a priority. I, I, I have, and so these things are creeping up higher and higher in the show as an indication of just what a priority it is for me. Uh, the other thing that went on this weekend was uh, Shamika Michelle and Delano Squires were involved in a debate with, uh, walk away, with the Walk Away campaign. It was a conservative debate versus liberal debate. And we're going to get into it tomorrow, that discussion. Shamika and Delano will both be on the show. Uh, but they had a conversation during that debate about the issue of abortion. And it was an amazing conversation and a very one-sided conversation to the point that the, the left side of the debate, the progressive side of the debate, basically just threw up their hands and uh, attacked Shamika Michelle and pretended they were victims of some offense. And it just hammered home to me, they can't defend their position on abortion. And that's part of the reason why we're starting today's show talking about uh, my favorite uh, group, Preborn. Preborn, <laughs> as you guys know if you've been watching this show, almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe v. Wade was enacted, and a lot more will be aborted in its wake. The ministry of Preborn and us here at Blaze Media, we're partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. They're working to put 
Planned Parenthood out of business. And I want to stress that word Planned Parenthood because watching this debate, these leftists were so stupid. One of them was calling it Parent Planhood, literally. He kept he said it more than once. Parent Planhood. And he called Margaret Sanger the eugenics racist bigot. He called her Margaret Thatcher or Margaret Thatcher. Anyway, I'm fired up about this issue because I just watched a great debate and discussion uh, with Shamika Michelle and Delano uh, over the weekend. So I'm just really fired up and I wanna tell you guys how we can get involved in stopping the slaughter of babies in the womb. We can support preborn. They provide women, expected mothers, ultrasounds. 80% of the time when that mother who's sitting around considering abortion, when she hears that baby's heartbeat, she goes the other direction. She chooses life. Preborn then steps in, provides maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much, much more, all free of charge. They do that because guys like you, and I'm talking to you guys, and I know there are women watching, but I'm specifically talking to guys like you, step up and support preborn. That's how they're able to provide all of these needs and services to women because we step up, we go to our laptops, we go to our cell phone, we pick up a cell phone, we hit pound 250 and we say the keyword baby. If we go to our laptop, we go to preborn.com fearless and we donate, $28 will provide one ultrasound, $140 will provide uh, five ultrasounds, we step up to the plate and support preborn because preborn steps up to the plate and helps expectant women. And we help them choose lives. We save babies. They've already saved nearly 190,000 lives. We're gonna save 50,000 in 2022. That's me, you, the blaze, and preborn. But I need you to step up. Be a fearless soldier. You've seen me do it on this show more than once. We're going to do it again, preborn.com slash fearless, pound 250, say the keyword baby, step up, save a baby's life. That's what's most important and on my mind and heart today, us getting involved with saving babies' lives so they can have the kind of lives you and I are taking for granted and most people in, this, in America are taking for granted. Let's give babies the chance to have the lives that we do. It was wonderful watching Shamika Michelle talk about this on, on that debate, and we're gonna get into it tomorrow with Shamika and Delano, and I may bring on one of the people on the left who really irritated me. I, I may ask the guy to come on and defend himself, but anyway, Shamika's a great voice for this topic. Shamika, as she's said on this show, uh, she's a product of rape, so the abortion issue is very near and dear and close to her heart, and it's close to mine as well. I've told you about my experience with abortion and how irresponsible I was. Now I have a chance to be responsible and support babies and help bring them into this world. Preborn.com slash fearless or pound 250, say the keyword baby, Let's do what we need to do. All right, uh, now I can get down to the business. Now that I've got that off my heart and mind, I can get down and focus on this show and talk some NFL football. 
uh, with you, Steve Kim and Jason Brown. Uh, let's start by talking about Tom Brady. Cameras captured Tom Brady yelling at his offensive lineman during the second quarter of Tampa Bay's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Check it out there. There's Tom Brady yelling at everybody. Uh, in the past month, in the last month, the seven-time Super Bowl champion has lost three of his last four games and his supermodel wife, Giselle Bungeon. It's a frustrating time for the most accomplished football player in NFL history. The Bucks don't look like Super Bowl contenders, and Brady and his wife have hired divorce lawyers. No surprise, Brady is lashing out. It's also no surprise that the 45-year-old quarterback is suffering a midlife identity crisis. You can argue, and I think Steve Kim will, according to his note, that, ah, Father Time has finally caught up to Tom Brady. Mm-mm, not me, that's not what I'm arguing. Fame is causing the demise of Brady. Fame is undefeated at eroding self-awareness, promoting selfishness, and encouraging entitlement. Selfishness, entitlement, and a lack of self-awareness are at the root of Brady's 2022 on and off field failures. Friday, Brady hopped on a private plane to attend Patriot owner Robert Crabb's surprise wedding. Sometime Saturday, Brady jetted to Pittsburgh to meet his teammates for their game with the Steelers. Brady skipped the Saturday walkthrough practice. He didn't need it. He's super Tom Brady. Brady no longer requires practice. He's reportedly excused from Wednesday practices too. Brady wants to play football. He's not that interested in preparing to play football. Playing and preparing are two different things. Everybody loves to play. The entitled, the selfish, the spoiled, the pampered, they don't love to prepare. Brady's mindset mirrors that of most professional athletes. NFL play, if you look around, it's sloppy and uneven. It's no surprise. The league has basically outlawed contact practice over safety concerns. Everyone is getting rich regardless of the quality of play. No one cares, including most of the fans. The NFL and its network partners cater to casual fans, the people who watch the Red Zone channel for fantasy football updates and scoreboards to track their gambling picks. For two decades, Brady excelled on the football field because he had the courage and self-awareness to stand out from his peers. He bought into and cultivated the Patriot way, the selfless and team-oriented style of football legend Bill Belichick. Brady epitomized old school values. That Tom Brady died when he moved to Tampa Bay. Tampa Tom desires the spoils of celebrity, privilege, he practices when it's convenient. He briefly retired because he no longer wanted to play for Bruce Arians. He sacrificed his marriage in pursuit of enhancing a football legacy that can't go any higher. Brady made a fool of himself Sunday berating his teammates. You can't, he can't. You can't yell and scream at his teammates when they can see so clearly that he's not fully invested in their success. Brady's mindset and approach separated him from his competitors. The culture he helped create with Bill Belichick in New England contributed to his on-field greatness more than his physical gifts. Brady's behavior now undermines Tampa's culture. Todd Bowles, Tampa's coach, recognizes the problem. 
Look, listen to what he said after the game. We didn't take Pittsburgh lightly. I think guys that are living off the Super Bowl are living in a fantasy land. You got to get your hands dirty and go to work like everybody else. We've been working hard and we got to work harder. Nobody's going to give us anything. Nobody's going to feel sorry. We've got to go back as coaches, as players. The time for talking is over. You either got to shut, put up or shut up. Of course, the Buccaneers took Pittsburgh lightly. Injuries decimated Pittsburgh's lineup. The Steelers' two best players, T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, didn't play. A bunch of other Steelers defenders didn't play. Pittsburgh entered Sunday's game on a four-game losing streak. At kickoff, the Buccaneers were favored by 10 points. 48 hours before the game, Tom Brady chose to attend a wedding in New York. That's a signal to every player on the Bucs roster that the greatest player of all time didn't take Pittsburgh all that seriously. Brady's actions are far more powerful and influential than Todd Bowles' words. A spirit of entitlement controls Tom Brady's behavior at the moment. Fame does that. Constant adulation does that. It's great that Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa, but the reality is Brady misses Bill Belichick. Brady should have retired three years ago and focused on his family. He's not the same player or person without Bill Belichick. That's my fire. Uh, Steve Kim, uh, welcome back to the show. Steve, I gotta say, I was thinking about this this, this weekend. You are my absolute favorite Korean person who covers the sport of boxing. I, 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 I just wanted to tell you that. You're, no. you're my favorite Korean person who covers the sport of boxing. So, uh, And so that, I can't wait to hear your take. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that, that makes me first and last then. I, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> By the way, all that there was boxing on from Australia, Barclay Center, and the UK, and all of it got in the way of a great day of college football. Let's just leave it at that. But as always, a great Sunday of National Football League action. All right. Uh, do you agree with me? Do you think this is father time, or is this father fame uh, undermining Tom Brady? I think it's a bit of both. Look, for us not to think that a 45-year-old athlete would not have a physical erosion, it's just not natural unless you got some help. Now, uh, everything you laid out, I didn't really hear about it uh, until afterwards. I've got to say this. I I'm extremely disappointed in Tom Brady with this behavior because I I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's been echoed many times. As the quarterback, especially a franchise quarterback who is iconic, you have to be all in. In other words, you got to be the first one in, last one out. Nobody can work harder than you in between all that time. And if you're not that guy, uh, I feel bad for you. It's like being pregnant. You either you aren't or you are. There's no halfway. Now, the Wednesdays off, that's, that's a concession I think that's probably made to a lot of older uh, football players. I know in training camp, if you're in the league for 10 years, coaches say basically you get this day off. We're going to cut your reps. I get that because Wednesdays, couldn't be a day where they just install the game plan. It's more about the mental reps. I get it. You want to save the wear and tear. But him cutting out on the team flight to go to a wedding. And by the way, fall weddings during football seasons, aren't they the damn worst? Jay? I hate that. But 
Tom Brady made the commitment to be a professional football player. You know what being a pro is? A true pro does something even when it's not convenient. You better fly with your team. There's no excuse. You could zoom in your best wishes to Robert Kraft. I know it's your good friend, but you know what? You made the choice to unretire so you could not enjoy these type of moments. That's the sacrifice. And I'm sorry, uh, I'm just wondering if Todd Bowles should have said, wait a minute, wait, Tom, if you're not on that plane, you're not going to start. It reminds me of a classic story. 1992, the Cowboys are all on the plane. One Michael Jerome Irvin is not there, probably coming out, finishing his business at the White House, and everyone's like, tick, tick, tick. five minutes to go. Four. All of a sudden, Jimmy goes, close the door. And Troy Aikman's panicking. This is a funny story. So literally, as the plane's going off the tarmac, Michael Irvin is racing in like O.J. Simpson from the Hertz rental car. And Troy Aikman is begging Jimmy, Jimmy, he's here. And he goes, nah, get that plane in the air. So Michael Irvin had to catch his own direct flight uh, to Detroit because they were playing the Lions. Get into the meeting, and Jimmy Johnson said, Michael, I'm very disappointed in you, uh, Stand tight. You suspended. You're not starting. Now, that suspension lasted all of three plays because the offense looked so bad. Norm Turner was begging Jimmy, like, Jimmy, everyone's cursing at me. <laughs> okay? I'm getting all the – Jimmy, you've made your point. Do you want to win or not? But there was a point made because Michael Irvin, for all his wackiness back then, uh, Jason, I didn't hear of him missing another team flight. And, and I think there's that old line with great – uh, leadership and power comes responsibility, and I hate to say it, Tom Brady has become that guy who's abusing it, and that's disappointing to hear. Steve, my point in why I discard father time as an excuse is because the, the physical toll of the game has been so reduced that if, if they were playing under these rules 30 years ago... <laughs> Brett Favre might still be playing right yeah. now. Or uh, George Blanda might have played till he was 55. And, and so I don't think the game is so has been so physically relaxed. I'm yeah. not as impressed with Brady playing until age 45. I don't see a physical erosion. I see a guy who doesn't understand 50% of his value is the tone he sets yeah. within the team. And he helped cultivate and create that culture that made New England special for two decades. And I think he has fooled himself into believing, nah, you don't need it to win. And oh, we won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with a, a looser culture. But what they're doing in Tampa, it's not sustainable. And it's great that they won that Super Bowl, but for two decades, New England was a Super Bowl contender year in and year out and appeared in 10 Super Bowls because of that culture. Brady has disavowed that culture and wants to be an entitled millionaire athlete like everybody well, else. Jason, could you imagine Brady going up to Bill Belichick and say, hey, Bill, uh, I'm going to catch an Uber to the game on Friday. going to go to the wedding. Could you imagine what Belichick would mumble to him? I mean, seriously, but but again, this is an age-old story that I see in boxing. When Muhammad Ali uh, fought the Thrilla in Manila, I'm just a grueling 14-round fight against Joe Frazier in the third chapter. He should have retired. I guess it would have been maybe the perfect ending for him as a boxer. 
And then certainly after he beat Leon Spinks in their rematch in the Superdome several years later, after there was even more physical erosion, that would have been the perfect time to retire. And he kind of did for a while to Larry Holmes and all that money Don King brought to him in a suitcase, dragged him out. And then he fought one more time against Trevor Burbick, and it was a sad ending. I've said this about boxing. Uh, it doesn't give out gold watches. It hands out beatings. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen with Tom Brady, but you're absolutely correct. When you are the tone setter, and in essence, you're the culture, you you have to adhere to it more than anybody. And I've heard a couple of players make this point. If Tom Brady, Mr. Tough Guy, is in my face as a big lineman, no matter how badly I'm playing, and I'm getting hit in the head, getting banged around, and this guy, uh, Mr. Let Me Just Catch You On There uh, Sunday Night or Sunday Morning, is screaming in my face, there's a part of you in the back of your mind saying, excuse me, you get Wednesdays off, you took a private jet here, you went to a wedding, why don't you lay back and get rid of the ball a little sooner? Because you have the license to do that if you're putting in all the time and effort like anybody else. Like Troy Aikman was a very hard teammate, especially during the Barry Switzer years when he had to become the sheriff. But the reason why I think Troy had that license is, number one, he took a beating back in that era. But I don't think he ever missed a practice, and he certainly never went to a wedding on a Friday night and missed a team plane. I think some people are going to hear this conversation. Oh, you're being too hard on Brady and Bob. No, no. And, and, yeah, I don't think we are. Uh -uh. And I Uh -uh. I think people don't recognize that people can change. People, you know, anybody smart that's been married for longer than five years or five minutes, anybody that's been, you've watched people change. The guy or girl you married uh, in 1998 may not be the same person in 2008, and that's what I think we're looking at with Tom Brady. The whole midlife crisis thing is real. I, I say this jokingly, but you know, I think three of my best friends, three of my best friends, all guys I went to college with, and these I, I'm not remotely commenting on their marriage, but I'm talking about three of my best friends all have Corvettes right now. They, 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 have, they literally, their extra car is a Corvette. And I'm just like, holy cow, this midlife crisis thing is real. I, I, I'm looking at friends, I mean, it, it's it's just real, and I think that's what's going on with Brady. Well, first of all, the the, the 1980s called, uh, yeah, they want their car back. But you know what? It still beats getting an electric vehicle. So props to those guys. But yeah, you're right. I think a lot of the teammates, especially the ones that played with the Patriot way, they're probably looking at Brady saying, "We don't even know who you are anymore." I, I just really think again, we've talked about this. The football season is actually the toughest physical grind, but it's the shortest season. It's basically you start your camp in July, but the game starts somewhere around Labor Day weekend. And nowadays it seeps into February, but you still have the longest off season. Tom, everything you want to do socially as a regular civilian, you have plenty, plenty of time to do. And by the way, most men... Don't they use football as a reason to not go to weddings? And this guy's using a wedding to miss out on football? Oh, oh, as my friend Dave Smith would say, man card violation there. Let me just pull that out there, Brady. Not a good look.
Do we think the Buccaneers will right the ship? They're three and three mm. right now. No one really, you know, Philadelphia looks very good in the NFC. Everybody else to me is suspect. Do you think the Buccaneers right the ship? And, well, and they're not. That's part one. And then two, how much of the blame do you think may end up falling on Todd Bowles? Uh, unfortunately, after last week of being honest, a lot. Because he's no longer a sympathetic figure to much of the mainstream media. Now, going back, look, to be fair, uh, the Buccaneers from day one of this training camp for the 2022 season have been banged up all along the offensive line. They have to find some continuity up there. And can Julio uh, Jones find the fountain of youth? He has not been there, and he's been kind of relied upon or brought in to be that field-stretching guy to help out Mike Evans. But I thought it was odd yesterday. I read that Mike Evans had one target yesterday in the second half. And, you know, your go-to receiver, they, they, they may be shading coverage over there, but there's a reason why you call them your number one. Mike Evans is a highly productive receiver, physical, the type of guy that if it's a 50-50 situation, Throw it up there, see what he can do, because he makes a lot of tough contested catches, and they also miss. Even though this was a faded version of Rob Gronkowski the last couple of years, he was still an effective player that Brady trusted. Um, but again, that's not a great division, so I wouldn't completely count out Tampa Bay. Again, we're only six games in to a 17-game marathon. All right, Steve, uh, we're going to take a pause for a second. We're going to continue to talk about the Bills-Chiefs game last night. Uh, who are you buying at 5-1, and one, the Giants or the Vikings? Uh, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? And I'm going to sneak in a little non-football. And we're gonna, Steve and I are going to do an approval rating on Bubba Wallace and talk about Bubba Wallace. I don't know if you guys saw that, but we'll get into that. So don't go anywhere. I just want to take care of a little business. Uh, you can email me and us the show at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Uh, more with Steve Kim. All right, welcome back. Let's talk some more NFL football with the Korean Cosell. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs last night, or yesterday, I'm sorry, not last night. Cowboys and Eagles were the uh, Sunday night nightcap. But the best game... Uh, or the most important game, most telling game, was between the Bills and the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, and as I predicted, the Bills, I thought, would win in this spot. I thought they'd cover the two-and-a-half point spread. It's of my three pay-your-mortgage picks, it was the only one I nailed exactly. And part of my thinking on that is I think Josh Allen – is playing better at the quarterback position than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes had two interceptions uh, last night or yesterday. I, I'm, I'm not surprised, and I think there's an argument to be made that Josh Allen right now is better than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what do you say, Korean Cosell? Well, Jason, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the elite Joshua <laughs> Allen bandwagon. We, we've been waiting for you. I, I, what did I tell you? <laughs> I mean, you're a little late. We had to, we, I mean, good thing we're not Jimmy Johnson or this plane would have took off long without you, but welcome. Welcome aboard. The guy. Did you have the Bills winning this game? 
I thought it was a 50-50 game, but I do. I think they're the best team in football. I think they're going to win every game. I really do. And it was frustrating because I thought the first drive of the game, they were matriculating the ball downfield efficiently until Singletary did not realize the ball was going to be pitched to him on a speed option. Um, look, the, those teams are really good. They're, they're probably going to meet again. I got the sense, though, this was a must-win for Buffalo for two reasons. Psychologically, what happened in the playoff game, got to erase that. But also, Buffalo can be really tough in the playoffs if they get a Buffalo run through the playoffs. This is where regular season games do mean something. And Romo, Tony Romo, who, by the way, I want to mention him, excellent job yesterday. Romo Stradamus actually predicted the score to a T. Thumbs up to him. I thought he was great. But think about this. Who beats Buffalo in January in that weather? I think they're going to be, I don't say impossible to beat, but as good as they are, if they are relatively healthy and Josh Allen is upright, because he still ran the ball 12 times, which is a little bit too much for me in my taste. If they get home field advantage at Rich Stadium with Bill's Mafia, I would pencil them in for the Super Bowl. But Buffalo now has an advantage. That other team does not have Tyreek Kill. And you can see, look, Patrick Mahomes is still spectacular. He's still going to put up his numbers. Andy Reid is still highly creative. But they don't have that one absolute game breaker that breaks the rules. And at that point, look, and Schuster had a really nice game as he schemed a few things up. He broke a tackle for a big play there. But he's not the overall threat where every play he lines up, you got to get someone on top of him because he can outrun your defense. Buffalo, if they stay healthy and Joshua Allen just continues to be consistent and take easy throws along with all the spectacular plays he makes, I'll make two predictions. They will represent the AFC and Joshua Allen. He will win his first MVP. So I thought it was great that they won for the Bills. Good look for them. I did not like the way Sean McDermott coached. Uh, I, I thought okay. there were some highly questionable decisions wow. uh, in that game. Highly yes. questionable. You know, I thought they should have taken a field goal early. Uh, th- th- there were just – I just didn't like what Sean McDermott – he was trying too hard. Yeah. Jason, a couple things. I, I really believe that in a close game where you know this other team's about as good as us and it might be a one-possession game, I couldn't agree more. Take the three points because it matters. Uh, if you're going to blow a team out 48 nothing, it doesn't matter. Also, it's one thing to go for it when you're at, at about the 35-40 to because that's no man's land. That's either a very long field goal or a very difficult punt to actually get more yardage as you try to pin them down inside the 10. So I get that. But when you've marched the, down the field and you've gotten to about the 10 to the 15 and you've done a lot of good offensive work, I think it's very deflating psychologically. And these are human, so it does matter. It's just not analytics with numbers. And you come away with nothing, I think it actually negatively impacts the whole team. Another thing, and I see this all the time, Jason, this is what they did on one of their short-yarded situations. This is not a McDermott problem. I think it's a football problem. And again, I think me and you are old school. If it's third or fourth and one, guys, can we just get into center? Not this pistol. I know the pistol's not the shotgun. Can we just get into center and hand it off or sneak it? Because again, you're trying to get one yard. 
I see so many times now in short yardage in both college and pro where it's like a must-have. These teams line up into this pistol with the running back, and the problem is the ball gets snapped into a shotgun set, and the defense just caves in. I actually love what the Eagles did yesterday. They went really old school with Hurts on short yardage. They said, you know what? We're going to get into a victory formation quarterback sneak. We're going to line up tight. We're going to have two guys right next to Hurts. And as soon as the ball snapped, they're going to push him. Because you know why? They're trying to get one yard. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Number one, take some points early in the game if you're playing a good team. And also, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. It's okay to just hand the ball off from underneath center. Couldn't agree more. All right, uh, I want to move on uh, to two five and one teams that I think uh, is fair to question uh, just how good they are. Uh, the Giants and the Vikings. Giants may have the best Ooh. resume in football. Who, 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 yes. who knows? But it's hard for me to fully buy them. Uh, and the Vikings are winning, you know, to me, they should have blown Miami out. Miami yes. played without both of its starting tackles. Third string quarterback started the game. I, I don't, I didn't get it. I don't get it. Uh, but which one of those two five and one teams do you think actually, you know, has a chance? Vikings out of those two are more built to win now. But I want to give the Giants and Dable credit. They're a scrappy bunch down 20 to 10. I thought it was lights out, and they rallied to win. And by the way, I, I cannot wait to hear you and JB talk about Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Folks, hold on. That's going to be some <laughs> must-see television coming up from these guys. But here's the thing with, with the Vikings. I get it. Uh, we know what Kurt Third Cousins is. And unfortunately, playoff games are going to be played in prime time, so they may not win. But he has more weapons. I want to give Daniel Jones a little bit of credit. I don't know how good he is. Maybe he is the guy. I don't think he's a complete bust. The Giants just have a complete lack of weapons outside of Saquon Barkley. Plaxico Burris and Amani Toomer ain't walking through that door. And that's why I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't judge Daniel Jones too harshly. But Cousins is a solid to good quarterback. He's got Jordan Jefferson. He's got Thielen. So that's a dynamic one-two punch with K.J. Osborne as the third receiver. That's really good. That's elite by NFL standards. And they can cook with Dalvin in the running game. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, if there's ever a year where Kirk Cousins can mark ripping his way to a run, it's got to be now. So you're saying out of those two teams, which team will have more lasting, significant staying power Going into the playoffs and beyond, I got to go with Minnesota. Mm. Let me let me run through their next four games. They both are on a bye this coming weekend. But okay. the Giants, over the next four weeks, play at Jacksonville, at Seattle, Houston, and Detroit. That's mm. not the 22 New York Yankees. Is the 1922 New York Yankees, is that the right? 27, murderers 27 row. New York Yankees. Yeah. My murderers row. Yeah, that ain't murderers row. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings, Arizona and Washington, that's, ch but then they got to play at Buffalo and then host Dallas. Mm. You know, Buffalo and Dallas are going to be losses. And so the Giants on paper could Easily, they might be nine and one, Steve. Yeah. Jacksonville's going to be tougher than you think at home. They're not bad. I know they've been up and down. Trevor Lawrence has been a little bit shaky. I thought he played a pretty good game yesterday. Look, 
the one thing is, over the course of time, Saquon Barkley is a spectacular playmaker, right? Who else do they have? And they don't have a great offensive line. Let's see how this develops. Because, look, Kirk Cousins is very up and down. But he's got some real weapons with Jefferson and Thielen. I, I'm just telling you, Minnesota is built to win now. I actually think New York's a little bit ahead of schedule, just like the Jets. I think that's another really good job being done there. The Giants don't. They got. I think it's their defense that's setting yeah. them apart. They Wink Martindale in, in my, is doing a hell of a job. Can't, can't, the defense is kind of the strength of the Giants. No. It, it is. And look, and they're a scrappy bunch. And, and Dable has them believing and playing hard. But if your plan is to always make comeback victories, because they've done that at least three times, and if you continually play one possession games that are really tight, and I get it, it's the NFL, there aren't that many blowouts, there's a thing called regression to the mean. These things tend to add up. So let's see how it plays out. It's still early. I really think there's two things that have happened with the Giants. They have found their coach. And Daniel Jones, based on his play, and you take a look at everything surrounding him, he may have just earned a second contract. Because, look, if they actually win eight or nine games, which is very plausible, they may not be in a position to draft a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud to begin with. Uh, Steve, just because, you know, I know you're fighting your instincts to be uncontrollable. I, I can't <laughs> talk about the Giants. And I got to give you credit. You, you held back. You normally take the conversation wherever the hell you want it to go. But you held back here. I'm not going to put those kind of restraints. We're talking about the Giants. So I'm, I want to let you make it. You got a comment about Lamar Jackson uh, coming out of that Giants game? Um, I just want to see what the national media is going to say that they bend over backwards uh, for Lamar because I'm a Lamar fan. But what I saw the last five to ten minutes of that game yesterday, and again, I am not the football diagnostic guy like Coach JB because I kept thinking of him going, oh, man, him and Whitlock are going to have a great, great segment. (laughs) Then I saw Kyler Murray, and I said, this may be the greatest segment ever. The one thing, it's interesting, I want to go back to last week, uh, the Sunday night game when they played the Bengals, where Lamar missed about three big shots. I mean, 50-yard plays that you expect a good quarterback. And and once again, this is my problem with the media. Ryan Clark gets out there on first take during a segment with Michael Irvin and Stephen A. Smith, and Ryan Clark starts saying, well, I mean, yeah, he missed a few balls, but do we judge other quarterbacks like that? Uh, Ryan. If Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady missed those type of passes, it'd be the lead story. So you either think he's elite and have that expectation that he makes those throws and hold him to that standard, or maybe you don't think he's that good and you're just sticking up for him for all the wrong reasons. I just thought that was really interesting because I know TJ said it yesterday, how uh, last week, how Chris Collinsworth goes out of his way to talk about, oh, he's cleaned up this throwing mechanics, this and that, and it was very noticeable yesterday. When Lamar Jackson fades back and he throws off his back foot, boy, a lot of problems happen. You can just see it. And also that one interception where the ball was a bad snap, I'm sorry, that has nothing to do with mechanics. But Lamar Jackson, as a, what, a fifth-year veteran quarterback, they were in the lead by four points. You have got to have the wherewithal just to say, you know what, chuck it out of bounds, let's kick the ball. 
That loss is squarely on Lamar Jackson, just as it would be on any other brand-name franchise quarterback. And any analyst or commentator that says differently is really sticking to an agenda, a dishonest one. Uh, let's move on to Aaron Rodgers, who got blown mm, out by the mm, New York Jets mm, 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 and mm. is wasting time with the Green Ooh. Bay Packers and, you know, should have got uh, out of there uh, when they drafted Jordan Love instead of a wide receiver or a playmaker for him. Uh, they lose to the Jets and really aren't competitive in that game. Is this Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay? It certainly, look, I know that Green Bay is not Milwaukee, but remember Happy Days? Remember when Fonzarelli jumped the shark? Boy, it, it does seem like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers on jet skis. It really does. But, Jason, remember in high school and maybe even college, you always knew that one couple that broke up, and you knew that they were unhappy without They both knew, like, oh, God. Or maybe we shouldn't have gotten a divorce, and we're both kind of living a miserable life. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are that couple. Think about it. I, I did not understand why Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know if he had any say in this. I don't know the politics within that Green Bay organization. But with the over-reliance, you can argue, of number 17 that Rodgers had, if I'm A-Rod, I'm telling the Packers, guys, that guy makes my life easier, and a happy Aaron Rodgers is a better Aaron Rodgers, and I'm out of your headaches. I'm not uh, I'm not in your back pocket being a pain in the you-know-what. And Devontae Adams is probably thinking, wow, I'm with the bad Raider team. I got paid, but, you know, life with Derek Carr isn't as fun as it is with Rodgers. Th this was a mutually bad breakup, and I – I actually thought they were making strides a few weeks ago that maybe they could rely on the running game. But, Jason, uh, just watching some of those clips and the stuff on red zone, they have a real issue. They can't protect them. That offensive line got run over by a really hungry young Jet defense. Quinnen Williams dominated that game inside. I've never seen Rodgers look so flustered. And now they're 3-3. Three and three. Look, I know he's always saying relax. It's okay, and I get it. It's a long season. But certain things are what they are. I have never believed in Alan Lazard as a true number one. I, I think he's a really good two or three. I don't think he's a one. So I have a question for you, Jason. There's a guy by the name of Odell Beckham out there looking for a job. He needs a gig. Would you kick the tires on him? No. not because I, one, I no, think OBJ in... Green Bay would be a nightmare scenario. He, he, he hmm. you know, he'd be unhappy. He'd be trying to fly in and out of town every chance he got. He'd be doing the same thing as, as, as Tom Brady going to weddings and going to events. Putting him in Green Bay would be a miserable, <laughs> miserable on. mistake. Now, Jason, there is a precedent. If you yeah. remember uh, the Brett Favre Super Bowl, 1996, when they ended up beating the Patriots, Remember who played a key role in that? It was a cast-off by the name of Andre, uh, Andre Bad Moon Rising. I mean, do you think he enjoyed Green Bay? I mean, because remember... Andre Ryzen, Bad Moon Rising was completely desperate, broke, uh, left-eyed, burned his house down, yeah, he needed Roos the money. Fire. Yeah, roof's on fire, <laughs> naming left-eye. Okay, but here's, here's yeah. the thing. I know you hate Odell, or don't like him. Can we give Odell some credit? The last five weeks with the Rams... He was a beige spot on a beige wall, and he was productive. He worked well with Cooper Cup, and he was on his way to a Super Bowl. So this whole notion that Beckham is this uncoachable, selfish guy, 
in my view, after last season, come on, let, let's give him a break. He can work within the system. He's shown five he weeks, can be Steve. a team player. Five weeks. You're, you're, you didn't say five years. You said the last five weeks. That's, 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 Steve, you know I haven't been to a fast food restaurant in, in I think, 18, 19 months or yeah, it's probably 15, 16 months. And if if someone sees me at one this week, they won't be surprised. They won't, well, you know, he went 15 months without. Well, he went 30 years. So I'd kick the I, I'm not giving him a... Yeah, I would I'd not kick, kick the, the tires. tires. He, he's going to sign with the Rams at some point. And again, I'm not trying to beat up on OBJ. I'm just saying Green Bay is not the right spot. All right, uh, let's move to our final topic away from football, but I had to get your take. We're going to do an approval rating on Bubba Wallace. All right, let me give you a little context here on Bubba Wallace, Steve. If, if you didn't see this over the weekend, Bubba Wallace... Uh, gets forced into the wall by Cal Larson. Uh, Bubba Wallace immediately retaliates. There's a clip. Drives mm-hmm. uh, into Cal mm-hmm. Larson. I mean, this is at 180 miles per hour. This is very dangerous. People could die. Other people are impacted by this. I think they knocked Bell out of the race, who's an actual teammate of, of Bubba Wallace. It's It's just... This is very dangerous. Then, after doing that, after retaliating, which isn't all that shocking in NASCAR, but you've had your retaliation, then you go and try to fight the guy afterwards. And, you know, Kyle Larson's not interested in fighting back. Uh, So far, again, this is a bad look, in my opinion, for Bubba Wallace. Uh, he found someone he can punk. With. And what what position is Kyle Lawrence in? Kyle Larson in? If he knocks Bubba out, everybody will call him racist. Uh, <laughs> so he he does nothing. And now let's go yeah. to uh, each of these guys have an explanation or a comment afterwards about what happened. Let's play those clips back to back. Bubba and then Kyle Larson. What happened? Cliff Daniel said, if that wasn't retaliation, I don't know what was. Was it intentional retaliation on your behalf? Clint's smart enough to know that how easy these cars break. So when you get shoved into the fence, like deliberately, like he did, trying to force me to lift, steering was gone. So just so happened to be there. Um, hate it. Hate it for our team. Um, fast, super fast car. Had no short run speed, as you were seeing. We were kind of falling there. Larson wanted to make a three wide dive bomb. Never cleared me. And uh, I don't lift, so. I know I'm kind of new to running up the front, but I don't lift. So wasn't even in a spot to lift, and he never lifted either, and now we're junk. So just a piss-poor move on his execution. When situations like this happen, Bubba, at this speed, is retaliation an acceptable thing? Stop fishing. Stop fishing. I'm not fishing. I'm just asking you. Let's also talk about the message you wanted to send to Kyle by going up to him after the incident. He knows. He knows that what he did was wrong. Uh, he wanted to question what I was doing. He never cleared me, so um, just hate it for our team. Our McDonald's Toyota camera was super solid. Just needed to find a little bit on the short run, get the balance where we needed it, and it would have been just like Kansas, but now that car's jumped. There's always unintended consequences when something like this happens. Christopher Bell was a part of that, clearly a Toyota teammate and a playoff driver. Your reaction to that? Sports. I knew he was going to retaliate, so like I said, I mean, he, he had a reason to be mad, but... Uh, 
his race wasn't over um, until you know he retaliated. So it is what it is. Um, just uh, yeah, you know, just aggression turned into frustration, and um, you retaliated. What about the off-track retaliation when he came up and tried to shove you? Did that catch you off guard? No, I mean I seen him walking over, so I, I figured he would do something. So just um, yeah, I don't know. I mean just. Like I said, he, he had every right to be upset. Um, I'd rather him do that than uh, than tear up you know our, our cars in a, in a dangerous matter. Um, so yeah, just uh, is what it is. Mm. Uh, should should NASCAR suspend Bubba Wallace? Yes, but they won't because they're afraid. Uh, I mean, look, they've already pandered to a guy that's never won a race. I, I mean. First of all, of all the times to go Asian driver, that 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 uh, when you're going 180 miles per hour, that's probably not the best place. It's even worse than that road rage. And then Bubba Wallace is real lucky that wasn't Draymond Green, or he would have got a right cross. I just that whole thing came off bad. And then he says, "Well, don't fish, fish. There's nothing to fish." I mean, I'm I, I'm glad the reporter held his ground a little bit, but look, this guy believes that he's untouchable based on what happened a couple years ago, and everyone has to give him preferred treatment. Um, it is what it is. They created this monster. Now they have to deal with them. Totally agree with you. I think Kyle Larson, the other drivers, are in a bad spot. No one can say what they really think about what he did. Uh, and then for the guy to sit out there and say, I had no steering. You know how easy it is for these cars to break. <laughs> as if like the car decided or just randomly, oh, I've lost steering, so let me run into Kyle Larson. That was intentional. He had steering. <laughs> he's lying. Hey, uh, that, he's making excuses. Hey, Jason, that's the NASCAR version of shots just rang out. Man, they just rang out by themselves. Huh? Gun just shot itself, huh? Right, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Bubba. And, and he does live in a protected space and in NASCAR and these guys, they have to be careful. They have to deal with him with kid gloves because of the woke media. Uh, it, it'll be interesting because you would think some point today, uh, tomorrow at the latest, I would think they're going to have to come down with some ruling. I, I would be disappointed and a tiny bit shocked if they don't suspend him. What he did is just way too dangerous, way too dangerous. And then he got away with that on the track and then to carry it on into a fight afterwards or try to spark a fight afterwards, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know Bubba Wallace is. The fight itself on the track, the altercation. Look, I've seen clips of Billy Bob's and Billy Joe's getting into it. <laughs> I get it. But he comes off as a bullier because it's clear Kyle Larson uh, he didn't exactly participate in Golden Gloves as a kid, which is fine. Um, he's a driver, not a fighter. <laughs> I get that. But, I mean, here, here goes Bubba trying to be the tough guy. Oh, God. <laughs> but for him to say that what he didn't, what he did was not intentional, well, if that's the case, then, boy, you really are a terrible driver. <laughs> and neither one's a good look. Neither one is an acceptable uh, uh, alibi, by the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get to our approval rating on Bubba uh, job performance. Uh, 
I think there's some desperation here. That's he had a car that was running well, and you know, again, that's what he said. It had been just like Kansas. He's basically saying he would have won if you know, blah blah blah. If 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 not for Kyle Larson, he needs a legitimate victory to justify all the hype, all the attention he's gotten. It's not happening for him, and so that's why he couldn't control his emotions. Uh, he, he so I give him an eight in job performance. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he's never won a race, right? Isn't he always middle of the pack? Now, he's won one race. What an ad. Oh, he's won two races now? Wow. Yeah, he's two. won two races. Okay. Uh, I think, I only remember the one. And the one, it was kind of an asterisk. Didn't it finish? Rain short. Rain short. That's the only one I remember. All right, so he's not Anna Kornikova, but he's not Richard Petty. I give him a five. I, I've always thought he was just kind of a middle of the pack guy that got way too much attention for the wrong reason. So. Yeah, still. All right, you won two. If he would have won none, it would have been a zero. So I give him a five. And and are you? I thought Anna Kornikova won some things. Are you kidding? She never won anything. Not not that I know of. She's nice to look at though. I gotta look that up. Yeah, yeah she I never won any I, majors. I know I don't, that. She never won any majors. I don't majors. tolerate Anna Kornikova slander. Uh, Steve. Neither do I. I, I Neither do I. I, I. I, I gotta be honest. She took a game. lot of heat. Yeah, she took a lot of heat, but I was always a fan and remain one uh, to this day. Me too. Uh, so now, me too. now you got me hunting up uh, whether she's won. <laughs> I know she never won not. a major. She never won a major. I know that. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on to character. I'll get to the bottom of this Anna Kornikova thing. As I'll get off her OnlyFans here and uh, get back. Send <laughs> <laughs> that over here. Uh, <laughs> character. Uh, I think Bubba is the Jussie Smollett of sports. I gave him a three in character. Uh, I think I don't think he has much. Yeah, I, I gave him a five. The way he, you know, tried to ride that story for all it was with the noose that wasn't a noose that was already there for a year. Um, but he's milked it for all he's gotten. I, I think he could have done a lot more in terms of being diplomatic and honest about the situation. So um, that that didn't really make me think very highly of him. Again, a five. Uh, Anna Kornikova, despite never winning a singles title, she reached number eight in the world in 2000. Uh, Top ten, she though. Was That's at elite. Times, yeah, she was at times the number one doubles player uh, with Martina Hingis as her partner. She won Grand Slam titles in Australia in 99 and 2002. So she won some doubles titles. Okay. She just didn't Those win counts. singles titles. You know. So anyway, uh, let me, authenticity. Uh, I gave Bubba a two in authenticity. Uh, th that's maybe a little high because, you know, this fake tough guy act after this race uh, probably undermines his authenticity a little bit as well. So I gave him a two in authenticity. You know, I, I'm with you on that. That whole thing was kind of hard to look at, hard to stomach based on everything we know. I gave him a flat-out zero. Uh, th this guy, mm. look, if I was a NASCAR fan, which I'm not, um, that whole thing would repel <laughs> me based on the background and what took place and just his overall actions before and after the actual incident inside the track. So, again, I give him a flat-out bagel. Uh, let's move to It Factor. We'll wrap this up. He is, you know, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is retired. I don't know all the racers the way I used to. I used to really be into 
stock cars and certainly IndyCar. Uh, Bubba's one of the few drivers who I would recognize on site. So I gave him a 15 in it factor. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know any other uh, NASCAR drivers. I mean, all the guys I know are Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, I think the Jarrett's. Uh, what else? That's about it. Uh, Gordon? Wasn't Gordon? Wasn't he a pretty famous guy? Jeff Gordon. Guy? He's been retired for a long time, yeah. Yeah. So, God, yeah. Wow, really? Okay, I thought he was still racing. And then there was A.J. Foyt, except he didn't do NASCAR. Mario Andretti. Yeah, I know. Showing my age. Anyway, yeah. I gave him a 10 because for a couple of weeks, he was the story. He was the sympathetic figure, and all of NASCAR had to pretend like they cared about the guy that kept coming in 28th place. So I guess there's an it factor, so I get with a 10. <laughs> all right, uh, we both agree he's a dumpster fire. I've got him at 28. You've got him at 20. He's a bad dumpster fire. going to have a hard time climbing out of that hole. Uh, thank you, Steve. Great job as always. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag like Steve's wearing there at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. <laughs> All right, now for my favorite time on Monday, Jason Brown. Next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for my favorite segment on the show on Mondays. Uh, no offense to the Korean co-sell, Steve Kim. You guys know I love Steve Kim. He's awesome. He's great. He's funny. He's smart. He's clever. But, man, Jason Brown is bold, and he just adds a little spiciness and salty and just, I don't know, man. I just love Jason Brown's takes on the NFL, and this week, uh, he should be in his bag because uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray <laughs> had some interesting uh, uh, plays and outcomes on Sunday. Jason Brown, uh, welcome back to the show. You guys know him from What's Last Chance U. I call him Last Chance Q. Uh, Last Chance Q, what, what happened uh, to Lamar Jackson on Sunday, did, did he make a mistake delaying signing a contract? Is this potentially going to blow up in his face? I mean, I, I hate to say I told you so, but yeah. I mean, he, he you know, anytime you bet on yourself, it's a risk. I, I admire the guy for doing it. Uh, I understand why he's doing it. Uh, I don't agree with it just because of the state of the of the union, man. Like where we're at in today. Shoot, if I was his, if I was his people in his circle, I'd be like, boy, you understand? There's some inflation going on around here, Lamar. You better get this. You better figure this out, man. You better take that bread while you can. That is what I would be telling them. But too many, uh, too often, these cats are, t are they have the wrong circle and uh, hanging around them, and they got a lot of hang around do yes men do boys, and what I call them is fake ass good boys. To be honest with you. They tell you everything you want to hear in your face. 
stab you in the back later on when times get tough. And that's what a lot of these players hang around with. That's their circles. And nobody tells them the real. Like, I want guys around me to say, JB, you're full of it. You're lying to yourself. Like, that is what I want. So I can at least debate myself and say, all right, maybe this dude's right. These cats don't have it no more. They don't have anyone in their circle. And I think his mom, who who's only going to, you know, tell, whisper sweet nothings to you, uh, it, it is, a, is a prime example of who's in his circle right now as far as making uh, financial decisions for his, you know, for his life. So, yeah, I do think it's a mistake to answer your question, and we all said that before. I think he should have took that money. And then you earn it as you go, and, and you get a bigger bag later on, man. But but take this first bag. So they lose to the Giants. His last two possessions – uh, he throws a really bad interception, and then, uh, to use your words, <laughs> he dropped the baton on his final possession. He, uh, he gets strip-sacked. Uh, it, it's just they're 3-3. Three and three. I think maybe the first two weeks, Lamar looked really good or was putting up good numbers, but ever since then, it's been a pattern of inconsistent, sometimes occasionally erratic play. What did you see on Sunday? I saw Lamar being Lamar, man. This is what I know Lamar to be. This is what I know he cannot get out from underneath. This is what he is. I mean, this is you're up three points right here, Jason. You're up three right here. People don't realize how bad of a football play this one is right there. They're up three points. People act like they're down three points. You're up in an NFL football game by three points, and I haven't heard not one person on ESPN, on any of these big-time platforms, discuss the fact that you were up three points and you threw that ill-advised, horrible throw. Not only is it just mechanically horribly flawed, but the mistake in the mental capacity of it is just a thing you cannot do and expect to get the bag and expect to be an elite quarterback, which everyone thinks on Twitter that he is. He's not an elite quarterback. He's an elite athlete. And I had I had Noel Mazzoni on my show last Friday, been an NFL OC, been a college OC, Coach Phillip Rivers, uh, you know, you name it, Josh Rosen. He's been at Arizona, UCLA, everywhere. And he's like, there is the people that the, – the, the thing people get mistaken is this. There's athletes that play quarterback – and then there's quarterbacks that are athletes. There is a huge dis, uh, um, huge misnomer going on around here. Like, Lamar is an athlete playing quarterback. He's not a quarterback that is athletic. And that's what I don't think we understand quite out there in the Twitter Twitterverse. We don't understand that. And we just see what we see because he's a freak and he runs eight times a game and he, he takes the ball 80 yards on occasion. And everyone thinks, well, that's what we want our running backs to do. And I've been telling everyone, man, I hate to say it, like we have, you know, beating a dead horse here about they think I'm hating. It's not hate. It's not slander. It's not hate. I, I wish I could coach the kid. I would love to try to coach him. But he, he just continues to decline year in and year out mechanically. And at the end of the day, Jason, mechanics is the thing that you cannot fail you. Your brain and your feet have to be able to excel and without thinking about it. And Lamar thinks too much because his mechanics are so bad that they fail him all the time. So 
let's say that it continues down this path and the Baltimore Ravens are a nine and eight football team at the end of this year and Lamar has a so-so season. What would your prediction be that the Ravens will do contractually with Lamar? Any chance that they would move on or if it continues down this path and they just have a mediocre season and Lamar is just okay, what do you think Baltimore does? So I'm going to tell you right on your show right now, they're going to be mediocre if make if a playoff team because Cincinnati's going to come out of that division, and I, I think the Browns are an absolute fire show. I, I don't believe that that's going to be bad. I don't think I don't think Deshaun Watson even plays a down this year, and I don't know if he'll ever play again. Like I predicted on my show before the season. More and more stuff keeps coming out. I just don't see how the NFL can get away with playing them. Uh, the black guy they're going to take. So I think Cincinnati comes out of there. The Ravens will end up looking on the outside, looking in as a wild card. And I don't even know if they make that. I don't think they even get in. And we're going to, that is what's going to happen. I just can see a football team that I know that is either going to transcend and be great or decline and, and, and be average. They're a declining football team because of the quarterback receiver core, uh, their defense has holes now. Their secondary is very, very bad. This team looks like the Rams. And, 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 and to be honest with you, it's a Ram team that's front-loaded roster-wise, no depth whatsoever, uh, bad skill um, from quarterback to receiver. And if you're going to depend on Lamar Jackson holding the baton, like we've ne- put, eloquently put it, um, and in 10 personnel, doubles – you know, two two wideouts on each side for the layman's term out there and him dropping back and dissecting coverage and making plays with his arm. If that's what you think this football team is, you don't know football and you're not going to be very, very happy Ravens fans. And I'm just being honest. This is not the offense. What do the Ravens do? What do the, the Ravens do then in the offseason? I, I think it's a, it's a complete blow up. I think you fire Harbaugh. I think you fire the O.C., because the head coach goes, everyone goes. I think Harbaugh is at blame here because the jet, the management has allowed him to do so much with that roster and bank on Lamar Jackson. And what now? What we don't know is in Har is Harbaugh in bed with ownership. If he is, maybe he stays. He fires everybody else. They re up the whole roster, uh, blow this thing up. I just don't see them continuing down this path. Jason, you know football. Does this team look like a Super Bowl contending team ever? No, it's not even close. And what I've been do saying, they do with Lamar? You say blow it up. Does that mean they move on from Lamar? That's your prediction? Got to. You got to. You're not going to get any receivers in there. Like who? Who's going to go play there, Jason? Like what receiver do you know out there right now who is an A-list number one? Who's going to go to Baltimore? Just be honest. Just tell me a receiver that wants to go there right now and play for him. I mean, it sucks. It sounds like it sounds horrible, but let's be honest. They're chasing money. They're not chasing no rings or sacrificing like a Tom Brady. They're not sacrificing for their brothers and their team. They want the money to get the money. You have to have stats to get the stats. You got to get the ball. This guy cannot get you the ball. So what number one the is fall gonna, out from move? The fallout from moving on from Lamar 
they'll call Steve Bashotti the owner, the Grand Wizard of the KKK. They'll call John Harbaugh, and that's why you would. The only way to move on from Lamar would be to fire the head coach as well, and to blame everybody. John Harbaugh well, would not survive if if he because. You're talking about it's in Baltimore, the whole East Coast media. They're all going to get called racist. Who's the GM, though? It ain't Ozzy. Who is it? It's not Ozzy Newsom. Isn't Ozzy still affecting that call? No, no, it's not Ozzy Newsom. No, he retired. No, he's not direct GM, but isn't he a, still an analyst to the GM or whatever? No, Ozzy's moved on. All right, well, I don't know then because I, Eric I DaCosta is the general manager, yeah, white yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, either way, man, uh, I think I think Ozzy moved on for a couple reasons too. Uh, Art Perkins, a good friend of mine, coached coached me and, and and been been with the Ravens for a long time underneath Ozzy Newsom before he left. There's a reason Ozzy left too. He knows this isn't an NFL Super Bowl winning roster. This this is not conducive to winning football games in the NFL. This style of triple option, RPO, run around back here, make plays with your feet, can only last so long, Jason. I mean, the defensive coordinators, by the way, by the way, who just stymied them once again in the second half? Wink Martindale. Know? Wink Martindale. Where was he at before? Yeah, Baltimore, yeah. I mean, you, you would think he knows some things about how to pin him in up the field, keep him in the pocket, make him throw from the pocket, exactly what he did late in the game. They started spying him with the Mike Backer, and they started giving him fits. And when you start doing that and making him a pocket guy, you're, that's why you lose in the playoffs. That's why Lamar hasn't had success in the playoffs. You can do all this stuff early on in the season – once they get film on you, Jason, as you know, film starts to circulate throughout the NFL lockers and the defensive coordinators grab that tape. And now we get to work and we start dissecting Lamar week in, week out. So when we play him week eight, nine, 10, 11, he starts to go down worse and worse and worse. And the same with the Kyler Murrays, the same with the Justin Fields. It's unfortunate that everyone's like, oh, it's only the black quarterbacks. Not really. Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield are absolutely atrocious, and they get worse as the season goes along, too. And nobody wants to talk about that. Oh, you only hate on Lamar. Not really. I hate on Wentz and Baker Mayfield way worse. If you want to call right. it hate. Oh, let, 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 me, let me move you on to Arizona. They scored nine points. They paid Kyler Murray $46 million a year. Should they just fire Cliff Kingsbury right now, or th there's maybe no one else to coach Kyler Murray other than Cliff Kingsbury, the guy who who wanted him come hell or high water? Should they fire Cliff Kingsbury now? I mean, at this point, it looks like it looks like uh, Kyler Murray's trying to get him fired, doesn't it? Like they're beefing now on the <laughs> sideline. Uh, he's starting to look like he has no type of appreciation for Kingsbury going after him in the draft. Um, it looks like he forgot all about that. And it looks like he's trying to get this guy fired. I didn't think Kingsbury would ever make it this long. Uh, they've given him a hell of an NFL roster. He has uh, only declined year in, year out. Um, they have been injury prone, but that's just, again, that comes to an evaluation process of the NFL. You got to be a good evaluator of talent. And 
Jason, we have 460 NFL injuries right now, uh, all-time high. We had 34 guys get hurt yesterday in, in one day. 34 guys went out of the game yesterday, all-time high. Why? I can come. I can talk about that for six hours. I did it on my show this morning. I talked about all the reasons. But this team is injury-prone. Um, Kyler Murray just has no investment whatsoever. You guys screwed up. The Cardinals screwed up by paying the guy. I would have never paid him like I've been saying it for, for two years. And I knew the day was going to come. He's going to set the marketplace. And he's a guy that's half invested. Like, he's not invested in this thing. It's clear. It's clear. Um, he can't even make a check at the line of scrimmage, man. I've never seen the dude call out a protection. I've never seen him walk into the line of scrimmage. I have never seen Lamar Jackson do it either and say, 50, 56, 56, I need the mic. O-line, you got him? I got him and him. I've never seen this. This is quarterback one-on-one. I have yet to see Kyler, Lamar, Justin Fields, anybody control the line of scrimmage from the quarterback position, but yet we're paying them $200 million. That sounds very, very ignorant to me by a bunch of rich billionaires who are supposed to be smarter than us. So... I don't understand it. I can't fathom it. Uh, Kingsbury will be the sacrificial lamb, uh, of course. And and Kyler Murray, like all players do, they outlive the coach in this profession because they make more money. And this is a recyclable business, man. And it'll be a new coach in quickly, there. And have- quickly, tell me your theory on the injury situation. That sounds kind of interesting. I think it's because they just don't practice enough and don't have enough contact practices, it doesn't surprise me that guys are breaking down. I don't believe that at all, man. Uh, I believe that they are not invested. I believe they'd rather play video games, go to Dubai, be on their cell phone, go on social media. Their bodies, Jason, if you look around the league and look at our body types, if you see the Boses and the J.J. Watts, so there's twofold here. It's an investment as a professional, A, And it is a lack of understanding biomechanics as far as these training regimens that are happening with these half-assed trainers in the offseason. So it's a social media like in clout chase on the social media side. Let's go take these med. Let's go take these pills, this powder. They're going to sponsor me. I'm going to drink the hell out of this stuff. Not knowing that you need 10 times the amount of water for every single pill and every single scoop of powder you ingest. You need 10 times the water. These guys' muscles, which I've done studies on, are literally contracting, especially these stiff, pass-rushing defensive guys, the Bosa's, the Watts, all these different guys, they're getting hamstrings, AC joint injuries, rotator, rotator cuff injuries, and... That's the half of the part as far as the biomechanics side. They're not training like they used to. We used to do dynamic stretch, dynamic warm-ups, football lifts, bench, power clean. Let's do those lifts during the season three times a week. They're not doing none of that no more. Secondly, the investment as professional. we rather go do all this other stuff now instead of being prepared. Every day is an interview, understanding. Every single day is an interview. I don't know what's going to happen every any day that could come up. I could be called. My name could get called. Not only are we not approaching this profession in that manner, we are getting paid before we earn it. 
So what is it going to do, Jason? If I gave you $200 million today, Jason, and said, here you go, man. I'll see you in the summer. Hopefully you're ready to go, right? Man, they're in Dubai. They haven't even earned it. You don't think they're going to go splurge and chill out? They don't have the same the, the same buy-in as we once had because the money was lower back in our day. We had to earn that money and keep that money because we wouldn't get another contract. These guys got got generational wealth in one contract, Jason. Think how hard that is on a 23-year-old that had nothing, that had nothing in his life. Imagine that now. So that's what dealing with these kids every day of my life, that is the number one reason that I see that nobody else will talk about, the investment. Look at the bodies, Jason. Go around and look at the bodies in the NFL compared to our era. The DBs nowadays look like high school kids. They're not ripped and chiseled and yoked out like we once were. These running backs and and, and wide receivers. I was never. Julio Jones. You got a Julio Jones. You got a you got a AJ Brown. You got a who else? You got uh, give me another couple wideouts that are really really T.O. Chad Steve Smith looking bodies. There ain't no look at the kid at the Eagles, man. This dude looks like an anorexic little kid, and you wonder why we have AC joints. Rotator tears. And and Jason, remind you, this is in an era where you can't even get hit anymore across the middle. And we're more injured than ever before. We have no investment in our bodies like we once did. This ain't serious no more. These cats could care less. That's my take on it. That's what I really believe. The other side is training. The other side is training. And I, I mean, it's not that I believe it, Jason. I can... I would bet my house that is the number one reason why. And I know it for being with these kids. I know it is. I've seen kids laugh at me about it because they know that's what they're doing. So I'm just telling you, it is a real thing. It is an epidemic in football right now. The, the, the investment in the sport, the willing to go see who I my I agree with that investment part. I think you can even see it in Tom Brady. You know, this dude's flying off to a wedding on Friday, skipping the walkthrough on Saturday. If it's affected the guy at the top, it's got to affect the people down all the way through. Let me ask you, though. Let me ask you about the Tom Brady one foot in, one foot out. I talked about it this morning on my show. Isn't this exactly what we just bashed Russell Wilson for and what we bashed um, these other folks for? Like, Russell Wilson got bashed for flying on his own, and now Kraft – is doing this. He's, he's over. Brady's with Kraft, and you know he's uh he's got one foot in, one foot out in investment. And it's like, well, we just bashed some of these people for the same reason as we're. we're but why not Tom Brady? Why doesn't he get this? Uh, I'm confused well, on that. I, I certainly Urban bashed Meyer. him today. Urban Meyer flew by himself. Remember, on the whole yeah. bar. Yeah. I, 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 that was a huge story. Right now, Tom Brady, we don't even nobody even knew he flew, he, he flew a PJ to the game, and then he started yelling at his old line, Jason. So yeah, that's what they- we talked about today, JB. Before you, yeah. Let me yeah. move on to something you love to say. You're always right. You're always right. You're always right. Well, I got one you're wrong on, and you better be ready to admit it. Uh, Dak Prescott. The Cowboys need Dak Prescott back as their starting quarterback. Last night proved it. They let Rush cook, and Rush got cooked. It's it's the perfect time for Dak to be coming back. Agree or disagree? 
See, right now, Jason, you don't sound like you played football. You sound like you watch football like everybody on Twitter with that statement. So I got to be honest. The man threw three interceptions, JB. Stop it. They're better off with Dak. Let me defend it. All right. I'm not saying we already said we all we already said Dak was the much better talent. We know that we know Dak's the better talent and he's getting paid. So we know he's going to come back eventually. So my point is, though, I don't believe Dak would have done anything different in that game last night. I think the Eagles are the best team in football. I think they have the best defense in football, and they were going to make any quarterback struggle last night. So I want to be fair to Cooper Rush, who went 5-0, 4-0 this year, to all the same people on Twitter who were anointing him as the guy in Dallas the last four weeks are the same bottom feeders now today bashing the man. And we are so quick to be cowardless on Twitter to come out. And I've actually read some of the same people that I saw saying, trade Dak now, trade Dak now, keep Cooper Rush. Last night, though, just proves, Jason, we are in the now world. What have you done for me now business? And it's unfortunate. Twitter, social media has created this anointing of the GOAT in a premature manner, and it also puts you under the guillotine in a premature manner. JB, JB, I don't want to hear about Twitter, people. I want to know what JB thinks. Dak Prescott is the better quarterback for the Cowboys than Cooper Rush, and last night proved that. Don't tell me about Twitter. I want to know what JB thinks. I don't think last night proved it, and I don't believe he's the better quarterback for the Cowboys. I believe he's the better talent. I don't believe he's the better quarterback. I believe Cooper Rush is the quarterback that will do what they ask. He'll communicate. He'll do the right thing. I think the Eagles are that good. I think the Eagles would have did that to Dak Prescott as well, and only time will tell what you're going to see. I can, I'm predicting an implosion by the Dallas Cowboys, and I predict they have a huge, huge disgruntled quarterback room by the end of the year in the, from the front office to management to the field, and I believe this team's going to implode. I don't believe they're good enough on offense, period. I believe their defense is good, but they're spotty, and I believe the Eagles last night exploited them in every way. And I believe the Eagles are the best team in football, followed by the Bills. And I don't believe the Cowboys can beat either one of those teams. And um, I don't know if Dak is the answer, but he'll obviously be the guy that you have to go with just for the fact that he's making $140 million and he's Dak Prescott and Jerry needs the fans to fill the stands. And that's what it's going to be. And, and now, unfortunately, the Opie redheaded kid. We're saving will be this the- clip, JB. Huh? We're saving this clip. I'm going to ask you about this again at Thanksgiving. Please uh, do. If not Please next do. week. I well, they, they, I, they get to play Dallas. Detroit. I believe Dallas is the worst football team with that. Hey, you want hot takes, brother? These are honest. <laughs> these are honest takes. They just happen to be hot because they're truthful. They're a better team without that. But I understand the business, and he's going to have to play. Um but Dak doesn't do anything different last night. All right. They didn't do anything. Let, let Jason, me, you, 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 you t- had their best tight end. 
you texted me something yesterday that caught my attention. Uh, Steve Wilkes, the Carolina Panthers are, are struggling against the Rams. Uh, they end up booting Robbie Anderson off the sidelines and off the field. Uh, Robbie Anderson's a wide receiver. He's been in the league seven, eight years, has had some good years, not having a good, didn't have a good year last year, not playing that well this year. He gets into it with the wide receivers coach and Steve Wilkes boots him off. You texted me something that I wasn't thinking at the time, but I thought it was a good point. Your immediate take was, hey man, how come these black players struggle playing for a black coach? And, and so I, I want you to elaborate on why that thought crossed your mind, and then I'll, I'll join in. Well, I hope you got your life jacket on, because it's going to get deep. I, I, had, <laughs> I, had, I had Zach Smith on this morning. Zach Smith recruited Robbie in, to college. Uh, Zach was a former wide receiver coach for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, recruited him to Temple, uh, actually played under Matt Rule for a minute, coached there. We talked about this. I asked him. Now, this is two white guys having this conversation that's only coach brothers in our in our profession, in our career. And we used to have a sign up on our wide receiver room. No whites allowed. We didn't want no white kids in our damn receiver room. And so we were making a joke of it. But the truth of the matter is, he said, that guy you saw right there getting kicked off is exactly the guy he recruited. He said he has not changed. He said he's a cancer in the in the locker room. You can totally see it. Uh, I know the receiver coach that he got into it with. He played quarterback in Nebraska. Uh, he would have he beat the hell out of Robbie, by the way. But the head coach stepping in, I, I commend him. Uh, obviously, he's putting his, his stamp on the interim job and trying to change the culture and show some, some discipline. And I, I'm glad he stopped the wideout coach and told him to back the hell up because he's in a no-win situation. He beats the kid, but he's fired. If he gets beat up, he'll never coach again just out of humiliation. So you're in a no-win as a coach, right, in a player argument. So I'm glad the coach stepped in and did that. Um, here's the deal. Like, we all talked about it. I talked to Marcellus Wiley last night about it as well. Like, we grew up in the, in the, in the hood in the inner city, and, and me having 200 kids on my roster every year in Independence on the show, uh, 199 of them being black, Um I used to talk to them about this all the time. And they used to come to me like, Coach, we didn't have anyone tell us the truth in our home. We never told us to shut the hell up, and this is the way it's going to happen in real life. When you hit the real world and be late to your job and how you're going to be fired, probably by a guy with my skin tone. So he's like, we've never been told these things, Coach. So when you tell us, it resonates. And I go, okay, so why do you talk back to your fellow black coaches he's like coach these are players telling me now one of them is a coach for at byu by the way and he tells me this is a guy I, used, I i mf the first day meeting him because he tried to give me some nickname and i'm like no nah, we're not doing nicknames and i went off on him and he was and he, he he appreciates it to this day and he's like uh now he's at all mormon school at byu go figure right so he's like uh he's like jb he's like coach i'm gonna tell you honestly he goes uh we know you're genuine a but B, um, they're our homies. They want to be our boys. They want to be our homies. They don't tell us the real. They kiss our butt and whisper sweet nothings to us and tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. And when we look at a white coach, we look at them as, you know, 
this guy that has this no coddle persona that he's not going to coddle us. He's going to tell us the truth and we're going to buy in. And it's just unfortunate. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge social, uh, social issue in my opinion, but we're seeing it every day. Cause I see it every day in LA, Jason, I'm seeing young black kids rob old black ladies right here on Rodeo drive, right on the street in person. And I'm sitting here thinking, where's LeBron? Where's all these cats that come out saying, why are we having black-on-black crime like we are? But see, nobody comes out. But I'm the one in the streets doing it with black kids. But nobody will give me that. They'll just talk crap about me because I bash Lamar Jackson. (laughs) So the problem is um, we have a disrespect for each other. And I say we because I grew up in in, in – I'm from Compton. So, like, I'm the only one of my skin tone growing up where I did. So, having said that, I know what both sides are, and I'm seeing it. And it's like, oh, why are we disrespecting each other if – but you'll respect me, you don't know. Quote, unquote, you don't know these coaches. Why don't we see Belichick ever getting into that? Why don't we see Saban ever getting into it with a kid like that? And that's the problem. We see this every single day on national TV – a black player getting into it with a black coach. Vernon Davis, Mike Singletary. Huge blow up. My guys brought it up to me this morning. When have you ever seen that? I've seen it all. What do you mean? I've seen it forever. And so um, you can blame the coach. You can blame the player, whatever. Somewhere it's missing. Somewhere it's it's failed, this kid. Whether it's at the house, parentally, or uh, socially, the kids are being failed at an all-time high. And no one cares because if they did, you would see LeBron out here on the front line. You would see Oprah Winfrey. You would see these people that you just don't see. So when you texted that to me and listened to your explanation, the the thing I told you, texted you last night, I'll restate it again. I talk about it on the show all the time. Black culture is dominated by the matriarchy. Everything is about the woman. The woman, the woman, the woman. She's worshipped. She's a goddess. She's the smartest thing on earth. And what we don't realize is how much that undermines the black man and his role as a leadership and an authority figure. And so these players don't have respect for black men. And again, we, we, everybody wants to talk about NFL hiring and how come we don't have more black head coaches and blah, blah. No one wants to talk about the black players aren't in support of black coaches. It's never crossed Robbie Anderson's mind of like, hey, man, Steve Wilkes is getting his second shot here. Let me hop on board and do everything I can to make sure that Robbie, uh, that uh, Steve Wilkes is successful. Never crosses his mind. We want white people and the white media to support Steve Wilkes. We don't want black players to support Steve Wilkes. And it's because, again, the black man has been put in this position that we're irrelevant and we should take a back seat behind the black woman and it spills out in our young people and their mentality and so we don't support each other. And and anytime there is any black man that tries to step up and do any type of patriarchal, authentic male leadership, that guy is getting shot down in this culture. 
and he's going to get shot down by progressive white liberals, and he's certainly going to get shot down by black people. And we're, we're you know, I, I, I've, I've seen it a million times in my career. I see it in sports. I see it everywhere. We're so dominated by the matriarchy and have so little respect for black men and don't even think that we should be in support of any of the, that, that, that's white people's job to support him. Let Christian McCaffrey support Steve Wilkes. Robbie Anderson is gonna do Robbie Anderson. Uh, and this should all be part of a discussion about why we're seeing so few black head coaches in the NFL because many of them struggle for the reasons you talk about. Coaches want to be friends with the players or friends or the players want to be friends with the head coach. Uh, and there's again, it's just like you, you'll see parents of all races try to be best friends with their kids and and when they really should be the parents and you'll see it in in, in leadership positions. Uh, you get a job in management or something, and the next thing you, you want to be friends with the employees that work with you, and it's like, nah, you need to be the boss. Go get your friends someplace else. And But I've, I, I, again, seen it in every aspect of my life as an athlete, as someone that's been put in some leadership positions uh, in the media space. Getting black men to support black male leadership it's one of the roughest tasks you'll ever see. Uh, Christian McCaffrey will have more support for Steve Wilkes than probably any, play, any black player on that roster. Hate to generalize and say that, but that is what I think. The other issue is you got single f females raising these kids, two, three, four, five boys at one time, working two, three jobs, and then they think that they can raise a boy to be a man and they just cannot. It's not physically human. It's not humanly possible for a female to teach a boy how to become a man. And this is another reason why I believe you have more domestic violence than ever. I believe you have more because a woman's role, she does not want to admit her role is not to raise the boy and turn it into a man. It is a man's job to teach that man how to treat a woman. And it's a man that can do that. And there's a lack of that. And I teach this to my kids every day. I've coached thousands, and I'm like, and they see it. My kids see it. Black men. They're like, Coach, you're right, because my mom only knows certain things. And, and there's so many little nuances about a man and a woman's differences in, in, in this thing. And it's huge. But this is the, run, the number one problem, though. There's an old adage in coaching. You coach it or you allow it. We just continue to allow Robbie, what's his name? I don't even know. Anderson. Anderson to do what he did last night and get rewarded today. We allowed it. I would have kept his butt right there and figure your life out and learn that you can't get rewarded by getting traded to arguably a better team today. The Arizona Cardinals just traded for him an hour ago. He's on the Arizona Cardinals now with Kyler Murray. So you have three big-time receivers that you can't get the ball to. <laughs> Great trade. Uh, I, now you just brought a cancer to a bunch of other cancer. And this ain't 
two negatives equal a positive type of business right here, brother. This is a, a bunch of cancer in one locker room. Good luck, Arizona. That trade right there probably sealed Kingsbury's fate, A, eh? uh, because guess what? You get DeAndre Hopkins back this year, this week, too. So now you got two alpha male wideouts who are both cancers in the locker room with a quarterback that don't know who the hell's hot and who's not, and you're expecting greatness out of nowhere through osmosis, right? Good luck with that one. Kingsbury will be fired probably by week's end, and we'll have uh, just, uh, you know, an anarchy going on in Arizona. And this kid, Robbie, thinks he could do that from now on. The problem is, Jason, uh, and I'll shut up, Robbie saw A.B. do that last year. And you know who saw Robbie do that yesterday? All the youth kids in Compton, Chicago, New York, Houston, every inner city youth football kid just saw that idiot do that and get rewarded. So I'm going to go do it too. I'm going to go be that guy at practice too. And you wonder why you fought Pop Warner's got shootings, LeGarrette Blunt hitting dudes. Uh, it's a joke, man. It is the biggest joke. And these kids with these platforms like Robbie Anderson don't grasp the fact that they are mentors regardless of what they think they are or not. They are. And it ain't Charles Barkley, I'm not your mentor commercial back in the day. You are a mentor now because of these things right here. These kids have at their disposal. They saw what you did, and you just failed the black kid in the inner city community again because you won't do the right thing. You want to make it about you for clicks, retweets, and likes. And that's where we are in society right now. It's a sad thing. JB, awesome job as always. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. We want freedom. We want freedom.